Hello, and welcome to Smart Supply Chain, a podcast produced by ALOM, featuring industry experts offering insight and clarity on a variety of supply chain topics. I'm your host, Jennifer Duell. As an environmentally and socially conscious global supply chain services provider, ALOM offers Six Sigma quality, technology leadership, flexibility, and true customer focus. ALOM delivers its clients' products flawlessly, enriching the end user experience and upholding their brand reputations. Our guest expert for this episode is a familiar voice here at Smart Supply Chain. Brandon Morag, ALOM's Chief Operating Officer and Chief Technology Officer. So we're going to be talking about chat GPT today, which I have to say is a little bit of a tongue twister if we say it that many times. <laughs> so you said it was a tongue twister. You can try the full form, which is chat. So you chat with it. And the GPT is generative pre-trained transformer. But really what it is, is a chat bot that's powered by a, an incredibly powerful AI engine. Often we go to other websites, the first layer of support will be a chat bot. I just need to change my password. Okay, here's an FAQ on how to change your password, right? So ChatGPT is taking that to the next level. Basically what it's doing is it's looking at, in some respects, all of human-created content that it has access to on the internet and reading it all and memorizing it all and then learning how to respond to prompts that it receives. And the way that it does that is it just makes an educated guess on the next word it should say, and just does that over and over again, which is a little bit how people think in some respects, right? When you're speaking, you're just deciding what the next word should be out of your mouth to express your idea. So ChatGPT does the same thing. It's deciding the next word it should give to that response. I feel like I should make a joke here because we would hope that most people are thinking about the next word that comes out of their mouth. But I think that in reality, that's not the case. Tell me why you decided to talk about this topic for this episode. Uh, It's been on my mind recently, actually, just from a, a usage perspective and a company policy perspective. There's a lot of companies out there that are working on or releasing guidance around how to use ChatGPT, whether or not to be able to use it at all for their employees. So we were speaking about that internally recently, so it was a bit top of mind. And also, there was some news on ChatGPT relatively recently where the GPT-4 came out, which is the newest version back in mid-March, I want to say. So so yeah, so ChatGPT 3.5 came out in November, hit the ground running. Of course, the first people to pick it up were the kids. Kids figured out how to use it pretty quickly. I have lots of friends who work as teachers in high school, and uh, they started getting papers written by ChatGPT instead of their students pretty quickly. It's a large language model, which means that it can create language like a person could create language based on the sum of its knowledge. So it's really good at doing things like creating a book report. Like you can say, uh, give me a report on Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad, but written in the voice of William Shakespeare. And it'll give you that. And it'll be really convincing. Obviously, within academia and within education, there's been a lot of conversation about chat GPT. And in the supply chain world, I'm interested to hear how chat GPT 
could have influenced specific parts of the supply chain. Obviously, it's going to have a big influence, I would assume, on e-commerce overall, but a deeper conversation into the different parts of supply chain where it could make a difference. One of the things that I've been thinking about a lot with ChatGPT and chatbots in general is barrier entry when it comes to integration slash collaboration between two training partners. So imagine in the transportation management. Right now, if we are getting an order from a customer and logistics department is shopping around for the right transportation, they may be engaging with two or three different trucking companies or two or three different carriers. Maybe we're dealing with the larger organizations that are shipping it over water trains, all of those things, and you have a transportation management system. And in a really good system, maybe a lot of those carriers are integrated in that transportation management system. And you can shop around with your TMS and find what the carriers can commit to and how much it's going to cost. That's expensive to maintain. There's a lot of integration on the back end, a lot of sausage making underneath the hood with EDI going back and forth or APIs going back and forth. But with something like ChatGPT or a really advanced chatbot, you could replace that underpinnings with natural language integration. So let's say to carriers that are anything from a small mom and pop trucking drainage company up to a large over the ocean carrier could subscribe to a chatbot type of integration. And someone like an ALOM or a third-party logistics system could also subscribe to it. And you just type into your chatbot, hey, I've got two trucks that need to get from San Francisco to New York. It's got to get there in three weeks. And this is my budget, and this is this type of a cargo. And then I can just go out and ask everybody else in natural language for that quote. And maybe the supplier on the other end can chat back and say, I really would like to know what kind of pallets these are, and are these wood pallets, are these plastic pallets, or it's like information like that. And if those chatbots have the access to that information on both sides, the chatbots can have that conversation themselves. They quote back and forth, they change parameters, they negotiate, and then eventually just present back to the user on the 3PL side, hey, I got these two quotes, I recommend you go with this one, yes or no. And then you say yes, and then it goes back to that integration with that particular supplier, schedules the trucks, schedules the boats, schedules whatever it needs to schedule. So that's one way you could imagine it working. You would need to set parameters, right? It doesn't remove human decision-making. It does take it a little bit to the next level. So right now you're, you got your Alexa in your house, right? And you can tell Alexa that I want some, I want to buy Tide detergent twice every year. It'll do that for you, right? And if for whatever reason, Amazon stops selling Tide, then it's going to not work. But with something like this, you could say, I do laundry this often and I don't care how much the detergent costs. I just want the best detergent according to the public. So buy me the best detergent so that I never run out and this is how often I do laundry. Now that's more pervasive, right? That's gonna last longer. It'll change as consumer reports changes their opinion on detergents. The chatbot can pick that up and change the flavor of detergent you get next time automatically. So it's just stepping this up even more so where it can make decisions based on publicly available knowledge that are informed, that are logical. And then you can even tell chat GPT and chat GPT and specifically, but chatbots in general as well, how aggressive to be. Be less aggressive. Be more conservative with the, your decision making on what kind of detergent I want. 
yeah, maybe the report changes every couple of months and people are really fickle about something that's new. Yeah, don't worry about that. Be more conservative. Wait until a detergent is the number one detergent for a year before you switch me over. So you can change its mannerism almost or its decision criteria based on aggression or conservatism. It's really, it's really interesting. When we think about supply chain, chat GPT would have a place in HR. It would have a place in account management. It would have a place in supply chain planning, supply chain management. Is there any place where it would not possibly have its little tentacles in there? Yeah, sure. It's, so it's still what you would call an ANI. So that is artificial narrow intelligence, meaning it's still narrow, even though it seems like it can do anything. It really can't. It still is only really good at language and basing that language on research. So it still can't do physical things, obviously, right? The supply chain is still filled with physical activity, and that's not going to change anytime soon. So ChatGPT would be terrible at driving a forklift, as if, for instance, you need a different kind of ANI, a different kind of artificial narrow intelligence to drive a forklift and decide where that pallet should go. That's uh, ChatGPT is still not going to help you with that. Could it talk with automation though? That's the, would that be the next level? So like right now it can't do it, but I mean, like that's where we would be heading where there would be automated fulfillment, automation within warehouses and manufacturing, and then chat GPT talks to it. Or am I taking the podcast in a completely different direction and Jen needs to stop? No. So it really is. You can think about chat GPT as the next big thing since the computer mouse in some ways where it's going to change the interface between a human and a computer forever. So that's definitely coming. And that's already here, right? Where it's like Star Trek. They talk to the computer all the time. Like, computer do this, computer do that. They're, you rarely see them on a keyboard and thus they're steering the ship. So that's very similar to what we're seeing here, where the interface, the natural interface to a computer is going to change dramatically. You keep using this word, imagine. And... I don't think that I'm good at imagining this. We're talking about giving directives to chat GPT and it actually doing things on its own based on parameters that you've given it more so than just like writing a paper. I mean, like it becomes like decision oriented. Yes. So it can, it, it can make decisions for you based on either information you've given it or information that it's been trained on. Another thing we should talk about is, and we'll get there at some point, maybe maybe not yet, but it, about the information that we give it and how critical that is. I talked earlier about two chatbots talking to each other with access to the systems behind it. And that would mean that those corporations had made the decision to make their information available to ChatGPT. And that's, that's a whole different ball of wax that we should talk about. And even now the conversation about ChatGPT is about the fact that the information that it's gathering is from the world of information that is available online. And obviously some of that information is more or less correct. And ChatGPT can't make the distinction between what is correct and what isn't. It can have a hard time with what you would call truth. Truth. <laughs> Brandon, <laughs> this is just this conversation is just making me laugh because what we call truth. <laughs> what do we call truth? Should I pull out the dictionary? It's really good with fact. 
Yeah. It's harder with truth. So this is a very important distinction, right? Fact versus truth. The implications of using chat GPT, the oversight that would be required with your example with the transportation. You're talking about, in some ways, equalizing the opportunity so that companies don't have to make this huge investment. So you don't have to have this huge integration budget. So there's also this idea that it could save money, right? Oh, for sure. So ChatGPT is going to change jobs again. And Uh, we've had this conversation before about how technology should make it easier for people to do jobs. They're not made redundant. They're just changing how they do their job. Exactly. One of the big things that people are talking about a lot is how ChatGPT is going to change the legal industry. So lawyers paralegals. You can see ChatGPT kind of replacing paralegals in some respects. And the person that was analyzing it was saying that it's not going to necessarily replace lawyers, but lawyers who use ChatGPT will replace lawyers who don't. Okay. So like, it's about progress and it's about adapting. It's about adapting. Idea here being that supply chain providers and companies that are serving consumers will be replaced by companies that are using ChatGPT to do that and more effectively. Right. ChatGPT or the like. Chatbots. Right. 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 And I think that we're in some ways we're using ChatGPT here as maybe like a collective chatbot AI kind of word. It sounds to me like you're saying that maybe ChatGPT is less threatening than people might imagine. Yes, I think so. I think it's no more a threat than computers were when they first came around. They were scary as well when people started using, especially personal computers, and they started in everybody's desks at home and in the mom and pops. And it was scary back then. I think it's a similar type of change with ChatGPT and the like. But there's a whole other issue with ChatGPT that I wanted to talk about, which is the security and privacy issue around ChatGPT. This is more specifically to ChatGPT as a product, which is an interesting thing. So we've got a lot of companies out there that have essentially banned the use of ChatGPT. The reason being is that ChatGPT does not delete your prompts. So whatever you tell ChatGPT, it remembers forever and it becomes part of its learning model. So it's almost like sharing it with anybody else who's using ChatGPT. So if you tell ChatGPT all about yourself, right, you basically create a Wikipedia page for yourself but in ChatGPT just by talking to it. I went to school here. I was born there. This is my phone number. This is my email address. This is my CV, right, your entire show on ChatGPT. And then I asked ChatGPT, who is Jennifer Dwell? It's going to tell me. So you can start thinking about how People who are thinking that they're using this kind of just to help them out as a tool aren't quite thinking about this. So let's say I'm doing a contract review. Let me upload my contract that I'm negotiating with my customer to ChatGPT and see if ChatGPT can find any issues with it. You upload a contract to ChatGPT, it can tell you this particular thing is not a standard thing that you would normally see in this type of industry. It could say that there's a legal fallacy somewhere in the contract, all these kind of paralegal activities that, that, that are normally done in a contract review, ChatGPT is pretty decent at it. But now your contract is public on ChatGPT. ChatGPT actually warns you and says that whatever you tell it cannot be deleted. So, they, so it just is, becomes part of its permanent record. 
And anybody could ask that information, but it comes down to asking the right questions. But certainly people are going to figure a way to ask the right question eventually. Yeah, exactly. This just happened recently. So there was a leak at Samsung. So Samsung had banned ChatGPT when it originally had come out and then lifted that ban on ChatGPT so that its employees could use it. And I think like a week went by or something like that. Until they had, until they actually had a, a confidential information leakage via ChatGPT from one of its employees. It's something that people need to be educated on, and maybe some guidelines around how to use it, similar to the same policy guidelines that companies have around social media. Right. I mean, that's exactly what popped into my mind. I mean, there is this idea that information in general, for anyone to really think that it's private, I think is somewhat naive. (laughs) And that's me, that's me being cynical, right? But (laughs) it's one thing to, to make an assumption that, that information isn't private. It's another thing to go into use a tool where you know, it's not private, and you know, that eventually someone will see it. And ChatGPT kind of falls in the middle of that. That's a new thing. It's a new way of interacting with, with a tool that your people aren't quite used to. Like they know what Facebook is. They know what Instagram is. They know what TikTok is. And they know how that's different from Excel or Google search. But ChatGPT is this new thing that not everybody's quite used to yet. And the other thing that ChatGPT is really good at is creating code creating code in C-sharp or in all kinds of different languages that people use to to create products. And the reason it's so good at it is because it's read all of the open source code that's available out on the web. So you can ask ChatGPT to create an app for you that does X, Y, and Z, and it'll do it if you give it the right prompts. You can create a game. I saw somebody on YouTube create a game from scratch without writing a single line of code. It was just, he just asked ChatGPT to do the separate individual tasks for about half an hour. So like, I, I see that this could be beneficial, but also problematic. So is it your opinion that everyone should have access to a tool like this? I think that's where we're headed. It's my opinion that is unstoppable. Unstoppable. So, yeah, that will happen. We can try to prevent it or delay it until it's perfect. That's not going to work either because it's only through usage that it'll become better and better. So I'm a big believer in the unstoppable force of progress. So might as well embrace it rather than try to stand against it. I guess that it's just my human nature. My nature specifically is to think of all the terrible ways that chat GPT could be used. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's a cybersecurity, another cybersecurity vector to ChatGPT that's also becoming very prevalent. I was just talking to David Edwards, who's been on this program before, about this particular situation. And we're already seeing ChatGPT-generated phishing attempts being out in the wild. So you know how you would normally get a phishing email, right? It's broken language. It's semi-easy to spot because it doesn't make any sense or the grammar's really bad. It's well, clunky. Chat- it doesn't clunky. seem human and it seems weird. Yeah, yeah. So chat GPT is a real quick way to fix that. So people are already using <laughs> yes, social- We definitely <laughs> need phishing attacks to be fixed. <laughs> yeah, and once again, it's got all the information. It can tailor a really convincing phishing attack uh, a spear phishing attack. And of course, the difference is spear phishing is when you have a particular target in mind. Phishing is more 
I'm going to cast a wide net and I don't really know who I'm targeting. Hopefully somebody bites. So it's really good at spear fishing because it's got a lot of information about that particular target, just whatever is available on the web, which is a ton. This is really a classic sense of where we could say knowledge is power. The knowledge that everyone has worked to accumulate and create, chat GPT is like this black hole of information. It just keeps eating it. And in doing so, it becomes smarter and smarter. And it took another big leap with ChatGPT4, which just came out, which if you go to ChatGPT's website, OpenAI, then you can access ChatGPT 3.5, which has been out since November for free, or you can upgrade to ChatGPT Plus, which is, I think, $20 a month. And that GPT Plus is GPT-4. That's the newest version, which just came out. And ChatGPT-4, just to give you an idea, it scored a 1410 on the SATs. Just, it, uh, it passed, awesome! <laughs> it, yeah, it scored a 298 on the uniform bar exam, which is the 90th percentile. So it passed the bar with flying colors. It got a 163 on the LSATs. So that's the 88th percentile on getting into law school. The difference is the ChatGPT 3.5, so just the half version before that, instead of the 90th percentile in the bar exam, it was in the 10th percentile or a non-passing grade. So it went from almost the worst score in the class to almost the best score in the class in a couple of months. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I, um, right? I don't want to give power to the idea that technology is coming to get us or that there's no place for humans anymore. But no, it's, we're not there. it's still just a tool. It's still just a tool. It's Brandon, I feel like more. part of our podcast, are you soothing me about technology? Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, Jen. It'll be okay. okay. But this is a great podcast topic. And certainly like you're bringing up considerations that are very critical to the supply chain. If you think about security, you think about privacy, all of these things are becoming increasingly important within the supply chain conversation. And it seems like maybe this chat GPT needs to become part of every conversation at this point, especially if companies are in the position now of deciding whether or not they're going to use chat GPT or if they are going to use it, if they're going to ban it, how they might use it, how they might use it safely. It seems like people need to start thinking about that. And if, I mean, that they should be thinking about it already. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. And there's lots more applications in Donald's general business, but of course, in the supply chain management area as well. We can talk about more of them, but it's certainly any interaction that you're having with an end user can of course, be chatbot, right? So that's first level support that we talked about. It's returns management. Hey, I want to return this thing. Okay, what's wrong with it? You can capture all this information in a natural way from an end user and insert it into your system. So that when it comes back, you know what's wrong with it. And you don't have to have a fleet of people on the telephones that are getting this information from end users. You know how sometimes when new technology is implemented and it takes over the first interactions before you get to a human. When you're calling in for your credit card and it's like, tell us about your problem. And all I'm thinking to myself is that you are my problem, you computer system. Like, I just <laughs> want to talk to a human. I, I actually am not as bad about that as other people that I know. Like, I have a little patience to get through that, to get to a person. But the goal is always to get to a person. Because you know that the chatbot's worthless. It can do 12 things tops. And you know that you 
need more help than that because you know how to do those 12 things. So this is my question. The goal of using chat GPT is not at this point to get to a human, right? I think there will be a time when you would rather talk to the chatbot than to the human because the chatbot can fix more things and it's got the right answer every time immediately. It doesn't have to ask its supervisor. It doesn't have to ask its partner next to him because he just was new or whatever. It just knows. So it'll be a huge leap in those interactions that you're having already with computer systems where you're right. You're just trying to get past it because you know it's terrible. It will not be terrible anymore. It will be really good. And then it will be better than a human at doing 95% of what people are calling about. So this is definitely a situation <laughs> where you actually prefer to talk to the chatbot instead of a human. This can only result in people being more impatient. That's probably true. Yes. And I see the ripple effect of this is that the chatbot, as opposed to how it is today, where you're impatient with the chatbot today because you want to get to a human, you'll get impatient with the human and be like, can I talk to the chatbot? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, like, when is that day coming, Brandon? Tell me, give me a day. <laughs> Sometimes it really feels like it's coming pretty quickly. The chat GPT progression has been tremendous, right? It's been, it's on a hockey stick path, right? It's exponential, it seems. It's not. Right. Uh, it's just like straight up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I heard now somebody else say something like something along the lines that AI and especially chatbots and chat GPT have given something new for Moore's Law to do, which I thought was a fun comment because a lot of the in Moore's Law is the idea that processing power doubles every two and a half years, I think is what it is. And that has been consequential over the past decade or so, because it's just outpaced what we need it for, but not anymore. Okay. You have given us so much to think about, maybe caused a few people listening to this podcast to have anxiety attacks, but that's okay, right? Yeah, that's um, fine. Yeah, we'll just, we'll let them be anxious. And then of course, maybe fewer people will be sleeping well through the night, but hey, chat GPT might be able to give you an idea of how to fall asleep easier. Yeah, or you can call your telemedicine and ask the chatbot for the right kind of medication to get you to sleep. And there's that too. <laughs> As always, it's such a pleasure to chat with you. You are so much fun to have on the podcast and always such interesting topics and explaining things that might be difficult to understand in a very understandable way. So I appreciate you and I know our listeners do as well. Awesome. Thanks. That's always fun being on the show. Thank you for listening to this episode of Smart Supply Chain. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information or to contact ALOM, go to ALOM.com. That's A-L-O-M.com.